Book Seven, Chapter Ten of Camilla. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Camilla or a Picture of Youth by Fanny Burney. Chapter Ten. Resolutions. The sound of the dinner-bell, which rang in the ears of Edgar before he reached his intended retreat, would have been unnoticed if not seconded by a message from Sir Hugh, who had seen him from his window. Compelled to obey, though in a state of suspense almost intolerable, he put up the important little packet and repaired to the dining-parlour, where, though none were equally disturbed with himself, no one was at ease. Young Linmer, under an appearance of mingled assurance and apathy, the effect of acquired conceit playing upon natural insipidity, was secretly tormented with the rueful necessity of sacrificing either a noble fortune or his own fine person. Sir Hugh felt a strange disappointment from the whole behaviour of his nephew, though it was what he would not acknowledge and could not define. Mr. Tyrold saw with much uneasiness the glaringly apparent unsuitableness of the intended alliance. Eugenia had never yet thought herself so plain and insignificant, and felt as if, even since the morning, the smallpox had renewed its ravages, and she had sunk into being shorter. Indiana and Miss Margland were both acutely incensed with Mandelbert. Dr. Orkborn saw but small reason to expect gratitude for his labours from the supercilious negligence of the boasted young student. Lavinia was disturbed for both her sisters, and Camilla felt that all she valued in life depended upon the next critical hour or two. In this state of general discomfort, Sir Hugh, who could never be silent, alone talked having long prepared himself to look upon this meeting as a day of happiness he strove to believe for a while the whole family were peculiarly enjoying themselves but upon a dead silence which ensued upon his taking a copious draught of madeira and water why my dear nephew he cried putting down his goblet you don't tell us anything which i've no doubt but you know why yourself However, as we're all met o purpose to see you, I can't say I should be sorry to hear the sound of your voice, provided it won't be disagreeable. We are not much conversant, sir, in each other's connections, I believe, answered Linmer, without ceasing a moment to eat and to help himself, and ordering a fresh plate at every second mouthful. I have seen nothing yet of your folks hereabouts, and I fancy, sir, you don't know a great deal of the people I have been used to. Sir Hugh, having good-humouredly acknowledged this to be truth, was at a loss what further to purpose, and, imagining the taciturnity of the rest of the party to proceed from an ave of the knowledge and abilities of his nephew, soon became himself so infected with fear and reverence, that, though he could not be silent, he spoke only to those who were next him, and in a whisper. When the dessert was served, something like a general relief was effected by the unexpected entrance of Dr. Marchmont. Alarmed by the ungoverned and in him unprecedented emotions of Edgar, he had been to Beech Park, 
and finding he had not returned there had ridden on in the most uneasy uncertainty to inquire for him at cleves happy to see him safe though almost smiling to see with whom he was beginning some excuse for his intrusion when the baronet saved his proceeding by calling out well this is as good a piece of good luck as any we've met with yet here's dr marchmont come to wish us joy and as he's as good a scholar as yourself nephew for anything i know to the contrary why you need not be so afraid of speaking for the sake of our not understanding you which here's five of us can do now as well as yourself Linmere readily concluding mr tyrold and edgar with the two doctors made four glanced round the table to see who might be the fifth when supposing it miss margland he withdrew his eyes with a look of derision and turning to the butler asked what wines he might call for sir hugh then proposed that they should all pair off the ignorant ones going one way and the learned ones straying another it would be difficult to say which looked most adverse to this proposition eugenia or the young traveller who hastily said i always ride after dinner sir is your groom at hand can he shoe me your horses my nephew little suspects cried sir hugh winking eugenia belongs to the scholars ten to one but he thinks he's got homer and horace to himself but there my dear boy as you are so fond of the classics clermont nimbly rising and knocking down a decanter of water in his haste but not turning back to look at it nor staying to offer any apology affected not to hear his uncle and flung hastily out of the room calling upon indiana to follow him in the name of all the diavoli cried he pulling her into the park with him what does all this mean is the old gentleman non compos what's all this stuff he discounts upon so freely of scholars and classics and homer and horace oh you must ask eugenia not me answered indiana scornfully why what does eugenia know of the matter no why everything she's a great scholar and has been brought up by dr orkborn and she talks greek and latin does she so then by the lord she's no wife of mine i'd as soon marry the old doctor himself and i'm sure he'd make me as pretty a wife greek and latin why i'd as soon tie myself to a rod pretty sort of dinners she'll give oh dear yes brother she don't care what she eats she cares for nothing but books and such kind of things books ha ha books and latin and greek upon my faith a pretty wife the old gentleman has been so good as to find me why he must be a downright driveller ah brother if we had all that fortune what a different figure we should cut with it why yes i'd rather flatter myself we should no great need of five thousand a year to pour over books ha <laughs> ha faith this is a good hum enough so he thinks to take me in does he why you know she's so rich brother rich well and what am i do you see such a figure as this suddenly skipping before her every day 
am i reduced to my last legs think you do you suppose i can't meet with some kind old dowager any time these twenty years la brother won't you have her then no faith won't i it's not come to that neither this learning is worse than her ugliness twould make me look like a dunce in my own house he then protested he had rather lose forty estates than so be sacrificed and vowed without venturing a direct refusal he would soon sicken the old gentleman of his scheme eugenia in retreating to her room was again accompanied by her father and her uncle whom she conjured now to name her to clermont no more i can't say i admire these puttings off my dear said the baronet in this our mortal state which is always liable to end in our dying not that i pretend to tell you i think him overmuch alert but there's no knowing but what he may have some meaning in it that we can't understand a person having studied all his life has a right to a little particularity mr tyrold himself now seriously interfered and desired that henceforth clermont might be treated as if his visit to cleves was merely to congratulate his uncle upon his recovery and that all schemes preparations and allusions might be put aside unless the youth himself and with a good grace brought them forward meanwhile he and lavinia would return without delay to etherington to obviate all appearance of waiting the decision of any plan sir hugh was much discomfited by the exaction of such forbearance yet could the less oppose it from his own discontent with his nephew which he inadvertently betrayed by murmuring in his way to his chamber there's no denying but what they've got some odd-fangled new ways of their own in those foreign parts meeting a set of old relations for the first time and saying nothing to them but asking for the newspapers lord help us caring about the wide world so when we know nothing of it instead of one's own uncles and nephews and kinspeople during this time edgar almost agonized by suspense and doubt had escaped to the summer-house whither he was followed by dr marchmont greatly to the wonder almost with the contempt of dr orkborne whom he quitted in anxiety for his young friend just as he had intimated a design to consult him upon a difficult passage in an ancient author which had a place in his work that was now nearly ready for the press i know well doctor said edgar that to find me here after all that has passed will make you conclude me the weakest of men but i cannot now explain how it has been brought about these letters must first tell me if camilla and i meet more than once again he then hastily ran over the letters but by no means hastily could he digest nor even comprehend their contents he thought them florid affected and presuming yet vague studied with little appearance of sincerity and less of explicit decision what related to lionel and to aiding him in the disposal of his wealth seemed least intelligible yet most like serious meaning but when he found that the interview at the grove was by positive appointment and granted to a request made with a forwardness and assurance so wide from all delicacy and propriety 
the blood mounted high into his cheeks and precipitately putting up the packet he exclaimed here then it ends the last little ray of hesitation is extinct to be kindled nevermore the sound of these last words caused him an emotion of sorrow he was unable to resist though unwilling to betray and he hurried out of the summer-house to the wood where he strove to compose his mind to the last leave-taking upon which he was now determined but so dreadful was the resolution which exacted from his own mouth the resignation of all that till now had been dearest to his views and hopes that the afternoon was far advanced before he could assume sufficient courage to direct his steps to the spot where the sacrifice was to be made accusing himself then of weakness unpardonable he returned to the summer-house to apologize to dr marchmont for his abrupt retreat but the doctor had already re-entered the mansion thither therefore he proceeded purposing to seek camilla to return her the letters of sir sedley and to desire her commands in what manner to conduct himself with her father and her uncle in acknowledging his fears that the projected union would fail of affording to either party the happiness which at first it seemed to promise the carriage of sir hugh was in waiting at the door and mr tyrold and lavinia were in the hall edgar in no condition for such an encounter would have avoided them but mr tyrold little suspecting his desire rejoiced at the meeting saying he had had the house search for him in vain that he might shake hands with him before his return to etherington then taking him apart my dear edgar he cried i have long loved you as tenderly and i may now confide in you as completely as if you were my son i go hence in some inquietude i fear my brother has been too hasty in making known his views with regard to clermont who does not seem equal to appreciating the worth of eugenia though it is evident he has not been slack in noticing her misfortunes i entreat you during my absence to examine him as if you were already the brother of that dear child who merits you well know the best and tenderest of husbands he then followed lavinia into the carriage prevented by his own occupied mind from observing the fallen countenance of edgar who more wretched than ever bemoaned now the kindness of which he had hitherto been proud and lamented the paternal trust which he would have purchased the day before almost with life camilla during this period had gone through conflicts no less severe jacob who had bought a horse for which he had advanced two hundred had informed her of the gate adventure of edgar and told her that but for his stopping him he was riding like mad from cleves and only sending them all a message that he could not come back grieved surprised and offended she instantly determined she would not risk such another mark of his cold superiority but restore to him his liberty and leave him master of himself if the severity of his judgment cried she is so much more potent than the warmth of his affection it shall not be his delicacy nor his compassion that shall make me his i will neither be the wife of his repentance nor of his pity i must be convinced of his unaltered love his esteem his trust 
or i shall descend to humiliation not rise to happiness in becoming his softness here would be meanness submission degrading if he hesitates let him go she then without weighing or even seeing one objection precipitately resolved to beg permission of her friends to accept an invitation she had received without as yet answering to meet mrs burlington at southampton where that lady was going to pass some weeks she could there she thought give the rejection which here its inviolable circumstances made her for lionel's sake afraid to risk or she could there if a full explanation should appease him find opportunity to make it with equal safety his dislike to that acquaintance rather urged than impede her plan for her wounded spirit panted to prove its independence and dignity eugenia approved this elevation of sentiment and doubted not it would shew her again in her true light to edgar and bring him with added esteem to her feet camilla wept with joy at the idea ah she cried if such should be my happy fate if after hearing all my imprudence my precipitance and want of judgment he should voluntarily when folly set free return to me i will confess to him every feeling and every failing of my heart i will open to him my whole soul and cast myself ever after upon his generosity and his goodness oh my eugenia almost on my knees could i receive a second time the vows of edgar mandelbert End of chapter 10 Read by Lars Rolander